0: ready welcome to episode 33 of the go get Em Agility podcast my name is margaret hughes and i'm your host along with my daughter emma hughes hi everybody hi emma today i want to talk about ambition and you're a little disgruntled about that well yeah i i think it comes in waves um, can, I, can i give the definition of Oh, sure. Okay. Yes, yes. Okay, I'm going to Leslie Nope you. Oh, okay, good. All right. This is from the Oxford English Dictionary definition of ambition strong desire for achievement, advancement, or honor, particularly in early use, excessive or immoderate desire of this type. Also in later use, and that was as a noun. Oh, okay. This is as a verb.
1: Transitive.
0: Right. To strongly mm-hmm. desire to be ambitious of, also the cause of object. Exciting.
1: I I really, I think ambition's an interesting word, because when I first read it, I was, um, I'd never heard the word before when I was like younger, right? And the first book I ever read it was in a uh, the Warrior series, and I remember time and time again it was used as a negative word they're like oh he's too ambitious oh he's so ambitious and he's so cruel you know and ever since then I've had like this negative connotation to it because that's what happens when you're in fourth grade or something and you're like oh wow and
0: I think that's a really great way to introduce your definition or your uh feelings around the word but i but i
1: changed though because then obviously as you grow older you have more context of the world around you and i was reading an article um about formula one and somebody said oh well they're just so bad with the press you know they're such bad you know with like media and stuff these drivers and somebody else said yeah but they're ambitious and it's that mindset that you just have ambition in you or you learn it, right? And it's a good thing. Maybe you fall short on some things, but it, it allows you to keep going, to keep driving, to keep running, to keep training your dog. And it's it's less of a negative thing and more of just how you are in the sport that you're doing or whatever you're doing.
0: Yeah. So it's like, I don't know, neutral. Right. Uh, being ambitious can be a very good thing, because it can help you drive to try maybe things that are a little bit outside of your comfort zone. Right. Right. Which is, which would be a good thing. And, and yet being too ambitious, which is what how they are dist- distinguishing the warrior series <laughs> can be a detriment. Yeah. Right. So I, I'm, I'm bringing this up because last night, well, as an instructor, there are times when and I was instructing last night, there are times when I put a course together or a sequence together or a skill set that I want to work on with my students together. And by and large, it works for most of my dogs. I can, I can modify it for, you know, the stronger dogs or the stronger handlers. And I can um, make it a little bit more simpler for dogs that are, you know, it's above their pay grade, but I still think that they have the ability to um, to try it in a modified way. and so but sometimes I get too ambitious and the training goes sideways, right? right And all of a sudden, what I I like being ambitious, but it's very, very important when you're being ambitious in in a skill set or training sequence, and it starts to go sideways, I think that it's very important to stop the sideways motion as soon as possible because it's the dog generally that is going to suffer. Mm-hmm. It's the dog that is getting the failures. And well, you can look at this two ways. The dog is, is not getting the skill, not acquiring the skill, but they should. And so I, I want to make sure that they stay confident And at the same time, the handler should be skilled enough and the instructor skilled enough to say, reward the dog anyway, right? Bring them back with a reset cookie. So this
1: is ambition?
0: Well, you're too ambitious. Sometimes I'm too ambitious in my training that I throw at my students. Yeah. And sometimes it goes sideways. And it went a little sideways last night um, for a dog handler team that we were working on weed pulls. And so, and, and at first I'm like, they'll get it. I know the dog has the skills. We just need to help modify the handler just a little bit to help them, um, uh, help the dog in the skill. And it just kept going sideways. It just kept going sideways and just kept going sideways. And we were rewarding the dog in between. We wanted the dog to keep winning regardless if they were getting the, the skill right. But all of a sudden it hit me like Margaret, take it down a notch. Take it down a notch. Make it easier for the handler. It was the handler who was struggling. And because the handler was struggling, the dog then wasn't getting the sequence. I always remember this. You reminded
1: me um, in middle school, we used to have a PE coach and she would have a t-shirt that said, Calm down, bro. It's PE, not the Olympics. And you just made me think of that. Like, calm down, bro. It's training. I'm learning weave pulls. I'm not going to EO, right? I remember um, you saying that in
0: one of our earlier podcasts.
1: Yeah, calm down, bro. It's a trial, not EO. <laughs> um, yeah, but sometimes- but it's also, I think it's like, just because you can't do, I don't know, something, right? You're coming into the weave pulls and you are like, oh my gosh, my dog can't get this. That doesn't mean you're not ambitious ambitious enough. It just kind of if you still want to, you know, complete whatever you're doing and you can't, it's just time, right? Time and skill. Um and time and skill can build ambition, I think. Um, I think ambition can overrule fear, or it can for me at least. Um, if I, I'm
0: what? Yeah, oh, I think that something. when I think that when you set out and you have the ambitions of doing a certain sequence or you or you or a certain skill, you know, teaching a certain skill and and it starts to go sideways. I think the most important thing to remember is that you just need to train the dog that you have in front of you. You know, if they're right. presenting certain skills and it's not working, learning to recognize and figure out, all right, is it something that I can do to help them that will show them the way correctly? Or do I really need to take it down, right? right. Do I really need so it make it as? Uh, more uh, slice the behavior thinner do more little steps to build up to a big step
1: but ambition it can make you skip steps and so you have to be conscious of the training path instead of just going forward and moving forward constantly all the time um and because i've experienced with that Dottie, i was very ambitious with dot a little bit too ambitious actually and i wanted her to be uh, on a u.s team by the time she hit 18 months and that's a very very tall oh, that's order. because
0: that was the deadline
1: yeah it was right? the deadline yeah, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not in the i'm not in the business of she pushing was. my six month old puppy to do weird stuff no no no, no, no. she yeah. hit you know she hit a year and i said okay now we're gonna get we have eight months or not eight months goodness six months uh we have six months to do all these weird little international stuff and so i was very ambitious with that um, and as a result, she has excellent, excellent backside skills, excellent commitment to jumps and to weave pulls um, and tunnels and all these fun things. But also as a direct result, I skipped her contact training a little bit, went straight in for the jugular, and now yeah. she doesn't have excellent contacts. They're good, but I've had to retrain them in the years since, and uh, we actually never ended up going to Europe anyway because of COVID. Well, um, yeah,
0: that was a shame, you know. But and I, and I and I don't think that you were too ambitious with her contacts. I think you did a great job. Thank you. I think that you hit a, a portion of her training where you wanted her you wanted a slightly um a, a dog that didn't think as much. No she was too thoughtful she and brain. she was too thoughtful and she and she there's a lot of wrong answers in running contact training. Just, I so mean, many. just overall, it just seems to be one of those skills that is extremely difficult to teach a dog to hit with their back feet, right? Yeah, and that's what that's you were what going we were
1: for. We we're in the age of the back feet you, hit,
0: yeah. You were yeah. going for a back foot hit as low into the yellow zone. As
1: I should have all. said, though, because I was what, uh, 17 now, 16, 17, and I should have said, This is too ambitious for me. Um, let's just do whatever foot you want, Dot. And I didn't. And I kept pushing for the back feet because I wanted that little hop, skip and jump. That that was the instruction
0: that you were under. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not saying
1: that the people who instructed me weren't. They were, they're brilliant. Um, Absolutely amazing trainers, amazing uh, information. And I kind of ran out of time as well because then I went back to school. And so then school took over and then I just didn't, I think if I had stuck with Dotty, I think that that would have done well because there's about a three-week span where she was hitting back feet in the contacts beautifully, and she was flying. I have a few videos of it, and it was amazing. And so if I just stuck with it, we would have been okay. I'm not saying that the training that we did was wrong. It was just I kind of lost – I had too much ambition, and then I lost it once I went to school, which is natural.
0: And then I didn't see her for, what, two and a half months. Yeah. So – yeah, and and, and but yeah. I I hope that you don't quit on her. I mean, she's got no, good contacts. Not. That's the thing. If she does have good contacts, they're just they're thoughtful. They're slow. She, thinks, she that's what very... thoughtful means. It means they're slow. And <laughs> I,
1: <laughs> I mean, she's slow.
0: She's only slow really through the the downplaying. Right, it's so she's great right oh, up to the down plank, God. and then she thinks about going into the yellow. So you see the gears okay.
1: turning in her head. It, because it's weird, because she doesn't think about anything else ever. I mean, she thinks about jump sometimes, but
0: okay. So you're saying that it's good to be ambitious. Ambition is a good attribute to have, and but then there's also the downside to being too ambitious. Yeah. So I guess my point of my podcast, the point of talking about ambition, is that as an instructor. And as a trainer of my own dog, that when I have ambition to try a skill that may be a little bit above my pay grade, maybe a little bit above Eli's pay grade, is to go for it, but to recognize when when to, to slow down and make the steps um, more refined for the dog and for your own handling.
1: Well yeah and that's true if you are in a I, I did a few summer classes um, over the you know over the summer obviously and I was doing international stuff and I do think a few of the people that came to me they're like this is cool okay I've done a few lessons and his backsides and stuff and they're like but this just isn't for me this is too ambitious and so I think it's also okay to tell your trainer like I don't want to do this like I don't want to do backsides I don't care I, I just want to have fun with my dog and this is too much for him this is not um, how I want this to go. And so as a baby trainer, I don't care. Like, I mean, I care about you as a person and as my client and your dog and stuff. And I hope everything is good for you for the rest of your life. But if you tell me, I oh, really, I don't like this. I don't like backsides. I don't like weird weeples. I'm not coming to you again. That's okay. I genuinely, I'm like, oh, okay, cool. I'm glad that you advocated for yourself instead of sitting day in and day out of this weird little International sequence I've got going on. You're like I don't like this, and I'm glad that you didn't sit there.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I think I'm too ambitious for some students. Oh, yeah. Just... I have so many. Oh, so we're kind of
1: we're, we're carving copies of each other. Where we're like, okay, do it again. Okay, I do think, it again. Okay, do it again, I but harder. And that and I think that maybe for some people they're like, no, I don't care. I don't want to do this. I think and what it okay.
0: is. Yeah, I think what it is for me is I I see the brilliance um, at the back of the room. Right. I can I can see that even though the dog may be showing all these like funky behaviors immediately, um, I can see the brilliance that the dog can display. And there's behaviors that they do that are like that dog has skills and that handler has skills. And so at times I do become too ambitious with my students and push them to maybe try things that aren't in their comfort zone. But I also am very ambitious about dogs having skills to be independent on obstacles. I really, really want dogs to understand that they have permission to drive forward, that they have the ability to um, uh, commit to a tunnel from 15, 20 feet away, that the handler does- Do you think dogs
1: have ambition? Is that a can uh, my complicated human mind?
0: An ambitious per- I don't think they have ambition,
1: but I think they have excitement, which translates into ambition.
0: Well, I don't know, because very loosely. Uh, I think that dogs can have ambition. I guess ambition is drive.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's really R- what right, it is, I
0: suppose. So, yeah, I mean, if you're ambitious, you're driven. Right. So, a person can be driven, a dog can be driven. A car can be driven physically. Thank you, Emma. <laughs> <laughs>
1: right. so, um, I think so. Yeah. I think yeah, I remember. Yes. ambition. I think Dottie does too. But Millie was very vocal about it. And if your dog's, um, you know, not barking on the sidelines at the, you know, dog in the ring, that doesn't mean they don't have ambition. They just might show it in a different way. Well, I think um, they,
0: yeah. I think lowering. I think I mean you. You really have to take this as um, every single be- skill as its own little thing, because all dogs are driven to eat,
1: right? Right. All dogs
0: are, at at some point, are generally driven for prey as well, right? But then, as humans, we have either, we squash it, we say, no, 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 don't chase the cat. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Or we just stop playing toys with them, right? Because playing playing tug with a dog, continuing that, sometimes that high uh, drive that high ambition that dogs have to attack the tug is personally just too much for most people for some people sure. not most people but for some people and especially pet owners right people exactly. that to do agility right and that's how most of my students come into me are pet owners um and the ones that come in with their second and third dog they do want tug right they do want yeah. a dog they see uh, how ambition and how drive builds um for better agility sorry we got interrupted so i was saying that i think it's good to be ambitious and and oh that's what we were talking about is sometimes dogs are more ambitious than humans want yeah (laughs) (laughs) right they're more driven than humans can handle
1: like eli is licking ears he's very ambitious about that
0: oh about licking your ear
1: yeah he actually jumped up at me used my body as a springboard, licked up my neck to my ear, and then jumped back down. Okay,
0: like, okay, but you did invite him up.
1: I invited him up, but I didn't think he'd muscle punch me in the jaw. <laughs> I think I have a bruise, actually. But Eli's actually very interesting. Um, I think he's a very interesting case because I would say, going back to the dog thing, Dottie's ambitious. I would say Dottie's ambitious because in my head, she's very she's very loud all the time, right? She growls just to acknowledge things. And so she's very, like, uh, ready to go at a moment, right? It's like, okay, let's do this. Okay, let's do that. Okay, let's do this. Um, And Eli's very interesting because I'm not saying he's less ambitious. I'd actually argue that he's more, but he's just chill, right? In everyday life. He's like, yeah, okay. You can push me over and rub my stomach. Okay, we can go outside. It's all good. Sure, okay. Like you take food away from him and he's like, yeah, okay. You can have that. No worries. Whereas Dottie be like, I'm going to kill you, right? And Eli, once goodness, he hits the agility course, He's like, oh, my God. He's like, I need my toy. I need to run. Let's go. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. And he like goes into this. The switch clicks in him. And it's interesting to see because I think that a lot of people think of Ambitious as like the neurotic Border Collie that's just running around the house all the time 24-7. But I think it's also Eli because he's like, yeah, whatever. I can switch off. And then as soon as you step outside, he's like, okay, let's go. Okay, you have my toy. I'll bite your hand off for it. Okay, yeah. And it's well. Really he doesn't literally bite it. your
0: hand off for it. Well, he, he bites has your hand for it, not he's...
1: angrily. Just he can't. He doesn't know his own power. And yeah, can we can we clarify that he hasn't <laughs>
0: always he hasn't always found the toy first. He's found your hand first <laughs> by accident. He didn't do. He's still he yeah he's, he's a baby. He's gotten to lie down for once for that. He really came at my hand. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. No. Eli's very ambitious, and. Uh, sometimes too ambitious so this is actually one of the reasons that I wanted to do this podcast is because I was working on a skill with him we're and and it's a very I was working on Cavaletti's and (laughs) it's a very very difficult skill for me because the way that I'm trying to work them is brand new to me so my history with Cavaletti's is they trot through um, they learn about body awareness, foot awareness. They learn um, about stretching out their their front legs, stretching out their back legs to keep pay, to keep a, a trotting motion over the poles. Well, I'm working uh, on walking, walking. Oh, so not trotting, through, not trotting through them, walking through them, and. Okay. it's it's difficult for me. It's difficult for me as a handler, but I also think it's extremely difficult for him because I haven't taught him how to, to, uh, to focus, to slow down the focus and walk. Right. We don't teach agility dogs to walk, do we? Right. (laughs) Right. I mean, literally all it was
1: throughout contacts is teaser to run, teaser to run, get her to run, get her to run. Right. That's all you do. Yeah.
0: It's stay, run, stay, run. Yeah. Right. And so the reason that I'm teaching him to walk is because there's a lot of, of benefit to it. Um, I so I my his breeder his breeder Kristen Walter is a if I get this correctly a canine physical therapist, and so she does a lot of prehab and a lot of rehab for sport dogs. It's a self study PDF with video links on how she teaches Cavalettis and it's very broken down into little steps and these little steps are they're great but for eli he wants to do it and and get a reward do it and get a reward well this is very slow down and do it (laughs) Um, and get a reward she even says in the beginning it'll feel like you're teaching stopping when in fact you're teaching walking
1: you reward in between each cavaletti is that
0: how you get the walking part uh you reward for them um staying in uh collection
1: okay, and, because my question was like do
0: you free shape that
1: i mean that would be no a we're really not free shaping big... we're
0: targeting it with my hand okay but okay he, so you just kind of he's so ambitious for the food Sure. That he's engulfing my hand. <laughs> so he's not targeting my hand. He's <laughs> going for the cookie. And 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 the and the way that, that it's taught is that you reward um uh, just prior to the action. So okay. it's kind of it's kind of flipped on its head. And we did the same thing with the tuxit. And it's very flipped on its head for me. And so I, I personally am struggling as a handler learning how to deliver the cookies appropriately to get the desired behavior I want, where to keep my hand, how to teach them to target my hand, but not eat my hand for the cookie. Right. And so it's this little dance that we're doing. But in doing that, I was quite ambitious in the way that I have my Cavaletti set up. And he was literally steamrolling them as he was coming. And I'm like, what are you doing? What, what are you doing with your feet? And I'm, I'm videoing everything. And so I went back and he's not lifting his feet up. He's literally not lifting his feet, which was interesting to me. Cause I'm like, man, this is why I wanted to do it. This was the reason that I'm ambitious is because I, I am seeing that he's not picking up his back feet. Yeah. He's a bar knocker, isn't he?
1: Because we well, be, what six inches right now. He's at he's eight pretty, inches. He's, he's at pretty consistent inches. about yeah, not
0: picking up his back feet, and he'll be he'll be um, ten months right. And maybe
1: away. as the bar gets higher, he might naturally start to pick up his feet. But it's better well, to nip it in the bud,
0: right? So so I got ambitious and I raised it up to I think it's six inches. It's um and then he he just steamrolled the whole thing, and I'm like okay. Well, he didn't completely steamroll it, but wasn't what I wanted. So I put him back down to, I think it's two inches off the ground. And when I went back and I looked at the video, he's lifting his feet as high as the six inch one. And I'm like, he is trying. He is. It's just, I have it set up incorrectly somehow to either be too close for his natural footfall or... Um uh, they're too high. My my cat ladies are homemade, so I probably completely messed yeah, you're up. you spray on, painting them on
1: the lawn. <laughs>
0: completely st- messed up on the on the height, but they're obviously the high height that I have is too high for him right now. The low height is working. He is lifting his foot and he's being very careful about the lift of it. Um, now, the mechanics of me keeping him in a straight line and him not pacing but walking is still a work in progress. But what what I liked one of the reasons I want to talk about this video is because or this podcast is because I was ambitious in my training with him on these Cavalettis. And yet, when I go back and I look at the video, he is trying he is working and so my ambition while it may have gone a little bit sideways immediately in the training i am seeing the benefit of it
1: yeah right i yeah. am and seeing the benefit of it and there's a learning curve as we said throughout this podcast there's a there's a balance right don't be too ambitious but also don't be too non-ambitious right i don't know what the right what's the opposite of ambitious Ambitiousness? Um,
0: Ambitiousness? yeah <laughs> um well I think the most important thing is that if you are too ambitious which I think it is okay to be too ambitious but make sure that the dog is winning make sure that regardless of your ambition that the dog is you're you're working right at the level that keeps them slightly in the uncomfortable zone but not the this is easy zone and not the hard zone oh so I went to a zany camp Oh, man, we should have done a podcast on Zany Camp. Maybe we will. Well, I was there. Do, yeah, maybe I'll do one by myself. Went to a Zany Camp, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that it was, I'll have to go back and look at my notes, but it was, it, I'm pretty sure it was Dudley Shoemate who talked about um, concentric circles. So when you throw a rock into the river, you have these concentric circles, right? And she said, the center circle is your comfort zone. That is where you feel comfort um, and and it's an easy place to be and live. The second circle is your uncomfortable zone. That's where you want to live. That's where you want to train. That's where you want to um, be just slightly uncomfortable. And then the third circle out from that is overwhelmed. So you don't want to live in the, you don't want to train in the easy comfort You don't want to train in the overwhelmed zone. You want to be in the uncomfortable zone. So train in the uncomfortable zone, push yourself a little bit, but not to the point of being overwhelmed.
1: That can be for either you or the dog. Right.
0: For you or the Uh, dog. Yeah, the dog is giving you three or four wrong answers, then you're in the overwhelmed zone. Right.
1: I used to have a violin teacher. I used to play the violin and she would always say to us, I'd rather you be wrong and loud and proud about it than correct and meek and we can't hear you and you're drowned out by all those flutes right and that always kind of stuck with me and it's the same in agility right where I don't want you to be wrong all the time but I'd rather you make a big effort at least try be ambitious do it a lot and if you're still wrong at the end of the day well that's okay just go back and at least you tried, right it's at least you're you're putting yourself out there and it feels kind of weird. Um, it agility's very uh, eyes only on you, right? You're the only person in the ring, the only dog in the ring. So it's hard to be ambitious at trials and stuff, but it's, it pushes you. It really it, it helps you perform leaps and bounds um, ahead of people who aren't. People who stay in the comfort zone. Uh, Agility is very good at this. If you stay in your comfort zone, you can stay in the same class, in the open class for years. Right. And you'll never you'll never get into masters because you're safe. Right. And at some point being safe does become wrong because the courses will overtake you and you haven't trained yourself for it. And now we're sitting in open and we don't have twelve weave pulls.
0: Hmm. Well, there are twelve weave pulls in open.
1: No, I know. Like if it's if it's a dog that's done six, right, in novice and oh, they're in open. I
0: see. And they can't get through. Right, because it's like,
1: well, why if you sat, you know, on six weed poles for forever.
0: Oh, I you kind of have
1: to keep going.
0: Yeah. So you you you're stuck in open because you haven't trained beyond six weed pulls. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, and you can muddle through twelve. You can eventually get yeah. twelve. But then yeah, long term you're gonna just continue to struggle in the master's excellent master's yeah. level courses if you don't continue to push yourself and your dog. Yeah.
1: And that's why I think generally today, I think it's been a huge, huge thing. And we actually talk about this a lot, you and me, you and I, um, that young dogs are getting better, right? So there used to be this agility, like graph of, okay, young dogs are not as good. And by the time you hit five or six, okay, now we've got a good dog. You're in masters. You're comfortable. This is great. But these days I'd say ever since the COVID days, especially Dogs are coming in at like two or three years old and they're excellent, right? They're going into premier. They're trying to get onto, you know, these international teams they are trying to go to nationals. And I think the ambition of agility has skyrocketed, especially with all the social media coverage that it gets right on the news. All these new people are coming in and they're kind of pushing the regular crowd around. And we're starting to get more ambitious now. We're starting to have young teams come up quite quickly. Um, And I think that's really good for the sport.
0: Well, yeah. And I think that training has changed dramatically Oh,
1: yeah. rather
0: than just very scientific these days. Yeah. I think that breaking, breaking the, um, the skills down further. I mean, I think we pulls are revolutionized by two by twos. I really do. I've never, uh, I've trained a lot of different ways. And I mean, maybe if I went back and I trained channels the same way that I, I, have the knowledge now that I train two by twos maybe they'd be good but the two by twos make sense to me so yeah uh, yeah, and running basketball. contacts,
1: right? It used to be kind of a guess and a shot in the dark, right? And now yeah. we're ju- like literally teaching dogs to hit with their, their back feet. That is incredible. Yeah, or their front me. feet. I mean,
0: that's, yeah, I, think it's that's changing. I mean, the well. back
1: feet's a pretty common one, but yeah, yeah. So, and yeah, I, remember I mean, it used really to be running feet. contacts.
0: It used to be back feet, back feet, back feet. And now it's like, well, if you get the front feet, the back feet are going to be pretty dang close. So, yeah, because um, the back feet just overlap the front feet in yeah. a full way.
1: My point being is that when I was very young, so this is a very recent change because I've been doing agility, what, 16 years now, which isn't a long time in the grand scheme of things. And I had a little Sheltie that had running contacts, Millie had running contacts, which was pretty rare for the time. And hers were natural. So she, she could run as fast as she wanted down it. And people were like, wow, that's crazy. And now Millie'd be left in the dust. Millie, they'd be like, okay. That's great. She's not hitting with her back feet. She's not getting as powerful of a lift off as she would if she hit with her back feet. And it's very scientific now, and I'm very fascinated by it. I remember the people that would start the scientific talk in, like, the 2013, 2014, and everybody was like, what are you saying? And now we're having books written, and everybody's doing, like, jumping grids, and it's super exciting, actually. It's fun to see. When was the Linda Mecklenburg book written? The
0: one that you're always tearing into on the couch. Um uh, the jumping one is 2015. We're going to Yeah, have-
1: right? That's so recent. So recent. 2015?
0: Right. This one.
1: You're telling me agility's been around since the early 90s and nobody has written a book like 20, that? 20,
0: 2011 for Yeah, nobody's
1: written a book in- like that in what would that be? 20 years. 20 years of non-scientific agility books. That book is pretty thick, right? I mean that's a, that's things yeah. as big as my textbooks at school. Yeah. It's um and so in order to do that you have to have extensive knowledge of jumping skills and graphs and mathematics oh, and all these well, things yeah and, but my practices. point being is that agility wasn't a mainstream science kind of thing until like 2010 onward in my experience I mean I haven't been doing agility in the early 2000s so I went now but I didn't feel it until like 2015 and yeah. that book was published in 2015
0: um well she has two books her handling developing handling skills first printing was 2011 and then mastering jumping skills i mine's copyrighted 2015 and i'm not seeing anywhere that it says it was prior to that yeah so um and and she prefaces both books with saying that she's assuming the reader has prior understanding of training of training right of...
1: but my point is that nobody's writing books about agility What i mean i maybe they are maybe they're in europe i don't know i don't Yeah, think... there's a
0: hundred gazillion books on agility i know made in the 90s no no exactly there's... oh you're talking about back in in the day
1: i'm saying that we didn't have books until like the late 2010s or 2010 onward well, like nobody was doing scientific books it was just like okay put your dog over the jump congratulations you've done agility
0: okay so you know what we you know what I relied on heavily back in so I started in 95 96 somewhere around there um, and one yeah I relied heavily on my instructor right that's true um but also what was developing i can't remember exactly the year but what was developing were these um forums so you had these agility forums and i remember printing off I, i remember printing off reams of course maps and skills drills from people that posted them on these forums in the 90s yeah how interesting.
1: Um but my point was like stuff like the butt jump, you know? That wasn't really a thing. Like people started um people started liking speed, right? It used to be like you used to have a maybe your dog was slow but they are consistent and maybe your dog's fast and they're not consistent. And now it's like no, I want a fast and consistent dog. She's going through a filing cabinet right now. She saved these course maps from 1996. <laughs> I'm like my father. Yeah, instead of, like, important house documents or something, it's like, okay, well, here's the course map from Agility Lover 506. I I literally have, um, look. Oh, my gosh, you labeled them. That's so cute. Well,
0: this is from 2000. This is just for fun Agility Notebook. Yeah, so that's 2000. How many years ago was that? Right, but are they talking about...
1: You know, oh, how many strides should be here? How tight should
0: your dog be to the jump? Who, Yeah, you know, if- here's the GIF, Just for Fun Agility Notebook. Contributors, Bud Houston, Martha Martin, Ruth Van Kuren, Carrie Cockrum. Uh, so Dogwood Training Center, 2000.
1: Yeah. yeah, I might stand corrected then. I was under the impression that, I mean, obviously people have written stuff about agility since its conception, but... I, there was nothing for like stylistic handling decisions, you know. And oh, and then clean how run to shave off time. That, but maybe I'm wrong. I just wasn't
0: around. <laughs> that was the big one. Um, Clean Run Magazine. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Here's Power Pause Camp. Two Power Pause has been around for a while. Nancy, guys, here's Say Yes. Here's Susan Susan mm-hmm. Garrett. Uh, copyright two thousand. Oh, this was Susan Garrett Power Pause two thousand. Yeah, Power pause is a good... How did I not remember that Susan Garrett was a Power Paws? Oh my gosh,
1: your little heart must have been fluttering.
0: I, I love... That was my first big... Are you
1: guys friends on Facebook?
0: Will she see this podcast or hear this podcast? Oh, probably not. I don't oh, know. Okay. Maybe. Anyway, yeah, so um, my very first big agility camp was the Power pause camp. Were on. they
1: teaching you like butt jumps and stuff though? Where by butt jump, I mean I you remember, I remember are facing a jump. You send your dog over it, and you do a cute little spin in order to um give them information that you are turning very
0: tightly and very quickly. I remember um with my own dog, I very much wanted distance. I don't know why. I was wow. working towards uh, gamblers. I was really, wow. I was really impressed with gamblers. Was this with, yeah? Was this with Ludo? Yeah. Yeah, okay uh, and so here's here's some send work.
1: The only reason I, I keep bringing this up is because my running contacts class, which I took in twenty twenty one, I wanna say, um it was scientific. I mean there was pages and pages upon pages of just back feet like discourse and back feet discussions and back feet, like, how does this work? How does the dog know? There was, you know, all these like questions about the manners minder and how does it work? And it was like reading a college textbook, right? It was like, it was that much information at once. It was kind of that like really info heavy where you have to like pick your brain apart in order to understand it. Like you have to come back, you know, time and again to, to look at it. And I'd never experienced that before. I'd never had agility put in front of me as like a Word document. And they were like, okay, imagine this. And we went through, you know, every scenario, left turns, right turns, um, tight turns off the dog walk and what to do on the table and, you know, stuff like that, yeah. or not the table, but what to do on the A-frame. And I was so fascinated by it. I was really excited and, about and, it.
0: And I would say that, yes, we did. It was just... um I mean I wasn't quite as into it as I am now. Sure. Um but yeah, no, I mean look at me, I'm collecting all this stuff. Uh she so, loves collecting things.
1: Yeah. I, like things. I I like that it came out of the file cabinet where like you also keep my like birth records and stuff. Yeah. That implies that agility is like just as important.
0: Yeah, here's Jim Basic. <laughs> Beginning gamblers use a stopwatch, but so, yeah, I mean, wow. I would say the big, the big written stuff. I mean, I, I remember Nancy guys just writing a ton for and
1: that's ambition, right? You have this
0: knowledge and you would like to share it with the world. Well, and I'm sure that back in the day, she was probably doing a lot of experimenting, sure. Wow, and I think that all trainers, well, I i, also, I'll, I won't paint that broad brush, but I would say that all. Progressive trainers <laughs> uh, <laughs> are constantly trying to evolve better solutions for right. their own dogs.
1: Safer, faster, easier
0: so, in that order. Well, so I would say safe, safe, easier, faster. I think some nice. go faster, easier. I go easier. Yeah. Faster, uh <laughs> for so and, cool. And that also spans a broad spectrum of learning abilities right human learning the way that humans learn now there's a fascinating psychology book in itself i should
1: get my psychology friends in on this i'll be like guys do you want to do a podcast absolutely because yeah
0: teaching agility is fascinating the different personalities that that come into class and it's interesting those the personalities of trainers as well personality of trainers personalities of of students and those that I think, oh, they're not going to stick around, <laughs> right? Like I know that their dog has the skills and everything, but they just don't seem ambitious to do agility. And and there is some ambition that's definitely needed in the early days because- oh, not... Such a slow process. Yeah. I, but I, I would say there's a handful I, of
1: people that have proved you
0: wrong. hundred percent. That's my point. Oh, okay. I think- yeah they probably won't last and right. oh my gosh here they are three years later four years later still running the course with me and they're brilliant right and so yeah
1: well you're a dog trainer not a human uh psychologist right no
0: not so. at all yeah
1: I didn't that'd know. be cool if you did have a psychology like a background <laughs> in it and then you were a dog trainer and you're like I got oh. the dog
0: down I got the human down I so can that. tell you all your problems and then yeah there's a quite a, a personality difference between um those that they're ambitious and yet their their own handling skills they really really have to work at them and Mm -hmm. go home and they practice and they come back and I can tell that they practice I can tell somebody who has been training on themselves for their crosses yeah 100% I can tell I can tell if you've been doing it outside of class it shows and I think it shows with the dogs the dogs love it Right, the dog's like, "Oh my gosh, you practice, good job, thank you." That makes yeah. sense. <laughs> I think the dogs love it. So anyway, I think that I think that for years people have been ambitious in agility, and I think that ambition um, for handlers, I think it's a great thing. I really do. Yeah,
1: ambition has changed, isn't it? It's yeah. progressiveness.
0: And and I think for instructors, or for me as an instructor, I think that when I'm overly ambitious for one of my students. I think the most important thing is for me to recognize that quickly and to modify the drill or the skill or the the training to not only help my handler, which is quite important to me, but also more importantly, to keep the dog in the game, right? So as the handler's learning, we have to keep the dog um, in the game as well, and so Sometimes, you know, let me hold my let me hold your dog. Let's have you do this by yourself. So um yeah, keep and keeping the dog ambitious as well, wanting to keep that drive going. Yeah. The fun sport and it ambition does
1: build on itself. Once you get your little train moving, all of a sudden you're like, I want to keep doing this. I want to do it again. I want to do it again. I want to do it again. Yeah. Um this ambitious is interesting though because it can be dangerous. You guys always, by you guys, I mean you and my father, always. Um, I think it was started out as serious, and now we just kind of make fun of each other. But I would do all these funky little things and trials that would cost us cues. And when it's money on the line, right? When you paid a little bit of money for this you have a tendency to not be as ambitious. Now I was young, so it wasn't my money um, that was being spent. And you guys would always say, I'm gonna just do the basics. Go Me back to data. basics. Me- yeah. Don't do any of this. And so it's it's a perspective thing as well. Because I think that at that time, at the height of Dottie and I, and you know, Dottie was what, like three or four, um, in my head that wasn't meat and potatoes. Like genuine, like that's why I did it is cause in my head, I was doing basics when I was doing all these funky little things. And it's not like, oh, I'm holier than thou. I'm just so good. Wait, it was just thought, that I had wait, worked wait, so you, hard. I had wait, practiced. Wait,
0: you thought you were doing meat and potatoes? Genuinely
1: when... on Millie's life. Yeah. Oh my God. On the house, on the car. Yeah. I'm you like, know, oh well, she, she can, can do that. It. So let's you just are, do it.
0: You were not. It wasn't and it me. wasn't
1: a um, oh, let's see if she can do it. I was like, Yeah, I think she can. And I genuinely thought that she did. And it was just stuff that I did wrong.
0: Hmm. Um can you hear said that's interesting drinking behind me? That's an, that's an interesting thing. What my, one my uh, instructor, uh, you know, it's quite common. It's quite common that when something goes wrong early on in the run, you know, like a bar goes down or you get the wrong course or whatever you've, you've NQ'd at some point early in the run. It's quite common to then go for it. Right, like I'm gonna see if I can get distance. I'm gonna see
1: if. Are I- you saying that I just shouldn't have gone for it from no. the get go? <laughs> no, no,
0: no, 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 no. Let me finish. Let me finish. And and she used to say, "Can you just do that right from the beginning? Don't mm-hmm. don't wait for an NQ to happen to go for it."
1: No, wait, 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 wait. It. You were telling me in my younger teenage days, you're like, "I'm gonna stop doing all these weird little moves."
0: well sometimes your moves are a little over the top okay okay a little It's called
1: it's the new european style
0: haven't you heard (laughs) so anyway yeah being ambitious um i want to talk about it being ambitious without danger i appreciate you talking about it with me because sometimes i get a little too ambitious with eli
1: i have toys too um you can rev up ambition of your dog right i i I'm very good, not good, but I have toys with Eli. And he gets a little insane. And I like that. That's ambition in my head, right? Is when he's a little bit on the edge and he's his eyes get a little bit too big,
0: right? Um Yeah, but and see, maybe I, I, I don't mind more that. calm, cool, collected. Okay, I don't mind that. I just think he's too young right now. Right? Like I don't see and I disagree. As long as it's
1: not injuring him. Obviously, I'm not gonna have him do like beefals or something. That's right. that's ridiculous.
0: Right. as long as it's not hurting him. Right. And so I'm I'm totally okay with him being slightly on edge as far as uh, craziness. But I also like to have some impulse control in there. So I love that back and forth. But I also want to just check his body because he is a little reckless in his body. He is. And, and so is I'm, I want to just hold off, give him a little bit more time to grow, a little bit yeah. more time to come into his muscles, come into his body, come into his brain.
1: Yeah, I, I just like the implication that it makes me sound like I'm like putting him over 16 inches, right? And doing all these funky little I'm things. I'm
0: not jumping
1: him. But, no, I'm, I'm not jumping him. No contacts, no. You've done all the contact work, Um, the the foundations of contacts. I haven't touched that.
0: We're just doing well, jumps and you know He hasn't been on an A-frame or a dog walk. Yeah, right. And no, he- I mean like you have your little
1: board out, right? Oh, and right, you do right, the right. little yeah. like and two he- on two off board. I don't do any of that.
0: Right. We've been doing yeah. running contact work on the mat. We've been doing uh the teeter. He's he ran a full length teeter, not full height. He ran a full length at what about a foot off the ground for the first time. I don't know. I was a couple days ago. Um uh, but yeah, we've been we've been doing the bang game. He's coming along. Keeping his confidence up, keeping his drive up, keeping his ambition up.
1: Yeah. Oh, and right, I was too like? ambitious when I first met him. I was. I made him do a rap on a jump stanchion. He'd never done it before, went through the jump stanchion. uh, jump stanchion fell on top of him, and he did not look at me for about two weeks, and I cried. <laughs> <He had> done <laughs> So that was too ambitious, right? You. And it wasn't necessarily dangerous to him. It could have been dangerous, but it was more of he decided. He's like, no, you're too ambitious for me. I don't want to work with you. Um, We became friends, though, quite quickly after that. We figured each other out.
0: All right, um, thanks for talking with me. Yeah. I love you. you. Ready.